Hello, Warbirders. When you consider all the issues that the original P-38 line had, compressibility, flutter, freezing pilots, etc., it's a little surprising that they would want to build on this problem bird, but they did. The first of the, in quotations, new lightnings, was the result of an offer by the USAAC to use this fancy new engine that you might have already heard about if you've been listening to the series, the Pratt & Whitney X-1800. But rather than just sticking the new engines in an existing P-38 airframe and calling it a day, Lockheed decided to try to improve on the Lightning while they were at it. The new airplane was named the XP-49, and it was ordered in October of 1939 and approved in January of 1940. Although it would look very much like the original P-38, the XP-49 was to feature a pressurized cockpit and a beefed-up armament package of two 20mm cannon and four 50-cal machine guns. Only two months into work on the P-49, the Pratt & Whitney X-1800 was cancelled, and the Continental 1430 was swapped in. This itself was an experimental engine, that was unusual for American design in that it was an inverted V-12, like the German Junkers Jumo 211. But it could produce 1,600 horsepower at takeoff, so they decided to try it out in the XP-49. The one prototype XP-49 built, serial number 40-3055, first flew on the 11th of November 1942. The marriage of the new engines and the new airframe wasn't really working out, and the estimates of top speeds was dropped by about 75 miles per hour. An improvement in speed was one of the main objectives of this project. The prototype was subjected to a belly force landing in January 1943 when the gear failed to lock due to a hydraulic and electrical system failure. This was actually just the first of the indignities to be suffered by this fledgling. In February, repairs had been made and the prototype was flying again. But the flight test data was disappointing, and the XP-49 wasn't doing any better than the existing P-38s. When the Continental 1430 engine was also cancelled after a production run of only 23 units, the XP-49 was doomed. It then entered the aviation equivalent to a psychopath's torture chamber, where it was subjected to destruction testing, including being dropped from various heights onto a concrete floor in order to study the damage on the airframe inflicted by various G-forces. The bruised and battered corpse was displayed for a time before being cannibalized and ultimately chopped up and scrapped. The other other lightning was the XP-58 chain lightning. It was conceived in 1940 as a bomber-killing version of the P-38, which made sense at that time as Britain was struggling to defend itself against Luftwaffe attack. Maybe America was next. The new design was built around the Continental 1430 engines, which in case you were starting to lose track of the exotic but low production run engines, was the Junkers Yumo 211-like inverted V12, 
which was expected to produce 1,600 horsepower each. But because the XP-58 Chain Lightning was expected to be a heavy fighter, with heavy armament, and even more than one crew member, more power was needed. It was for this reason that very early in the design phase, Lockheed decided to switch to Pratt & Whitney XH-26, which was a beefed-up version of the X-1800 that we've been talking about so much during this series. But we already know how this plays out, and the X-1800 and X-H-2600 were both cancelled. So Lockheed went engine shopping and came back with the Wright R-2160 Tornado engines. If you remember back to the episode on the Swoos Goose, there was a plan for a Swoos called Tornado, powered by the Wright R-2160 Tornado engines. The R-2160 Tornado engine was a 42-cylinder inline radial engine with six inline rows with seven cylinders in each row arranged around a common shaft. There are so many rows that the thing actually looks like a big radial. Equipped with twin turbo superchargers, these engines were planned to produce a whopping 2,350 horsepower each. So, what do airplane designers tend to do when they perceive that they've got extra power? They put in more stuff. You want a heavy fighter? How about four 37mm autocannon in the nose? You can kill King Kong with that, let alone an enemy bomber. What about defending itself while it's aiming those big cannon? Well, let's throw in a rear-mounted turret to protect the XP-58 chain's lightning 6 o'clock position. Heck, we've got a lot of power. Let's throw in two, with two 50 cal machine guns each. One covering 6 o'clock low, and one covering 6 o'clock high. Of course, then we need to put two other crewmen in to man those guns. Jeez, this fighter is starting to get fat. More pounds were packed on when in March 1942, the USAAF asked for increased fuel capacity to obtain a range of 3,000 miles. Even more weight was added when pressurization was requested as the fighter was to operate at extreme altitudes. Then it was discovered that the 37mm shells of the M4 autocannon had a trajectory that dropped much faster than usual. Could Lockheed make the nose hydraulically articulated to bend upwards to fix this problem? The idea was tried, but was found to be just too complex a solution. So a 75mm autocannon was swapped in, along with 250 cals in the nose, and this configuration seemed better. In September 1942, the USAAF decided to convert the aircraft for a role as a low-altitude attack aircraft. Lockheed engineers must have wanted to rip their hair out. The whole purpose of this machine was for high-altitude bomber busting. That was the purpose of the plans for the pressurization and the turbo superchargers and all that. But the Army was thinking about the original 437mm autocannon and dreamed about all the havoc that they could create on the ground with those. But then the Army looked around and saw that it actually had other aircraft on order, such as the Douglas A-26 Invader and Beechcraft A-38 Grizzly, to do ground attack work, 
plus just about nothing in the chain lightning was designed for the particular role of fighting near the ground. So whatever hair was left on the Lockheed engineer's head was ripped out when the army said, you know, we've changed our mind. Just go back to the high-altitude bomber busting thing. The designers probably had no hair left at all in February of 1943 when the disappointing tornado engine was dropped and the Allison V-3420 was swapped in. This was a W engine made up of two of Allison's successful V-1710 engines, which powered the original P-38, that were welded together at a 30-degree angle and geared to a common shaft. These were to produce the promised 2,600 horsepower needed. The XP-58 had its very own D-Day, or maiden flight, on 6th of June, 1944. In the end, only 25 test flights were ever performed, but there were problems with the turbo superchargers burning themselves out, and the promised cockpit pressurization and fire control equipment were never installed due to the aircraft's obesity problem. In October 1944, the decision was made that the aircraft was not worth the trouble, testing ceased, and the one Lockheed XP-58 chain lightning prototype was taken out behind the barn and put out of its misery. Next time we shoot for the moon with the McDonnell XP-67 Moonbat. If you like this kind of content, make sure you like and subscribe, please. Thank you. Until next time.